ella. If you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me there. What a delight it was um, to have a weekend away with our family and to hear um, the message that Matt brought uh, last week. My brother, thank you so much for your uh, love for the Lord and your love for the Word. It was very evident. Um, I noticed as well the amazing similarities uh, between Matt and I. He, he mentioned that he loved camping. I can spell the word camping. The connections are automatically that He can build an entire fire that lasts a weekend with one match. I can build an entire fire with, with no more than one box of matches. I've never used more than one whole box to build one fire. He has two kids, a son and a daughter, that have a hard time sitting still through church. I have a son and a daughter that have a hard time sitting still through church. A little bit different in the ages there. But, but what a delight to know that God has blessed our church with men who can step in uh, to fill the pulpit uh, in such a wonderful and gracious way. One of the exciting things about our upcoming feasibility study, uh, and you'll learn this in the update on June the 1st from the men, is, is that through the feasibility study, we want to objectively uncover the strengths and the weaknesses. Obviously, we want to know our weaknesses, how we can better them and correct them, but uncover the strengths to realize that there are many, many people within our body that God is going to continue to equip for the gospel to go forward um, in this community. And we simply praise God for that. I loved how Matt said, he reminded us, and and it it is a reminder for every single one of us on a regular basis, it's not about me, it's about Christ in me. That's the focus. That's where we must remain as we move forward together for the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community. Um, Let's bow our heads and we'll just ask God's blessing on our time uh, before we study. uh, Continue on in chapter 3 in the book of Galatians. Let's pray together. Father, I am so grateful for who you are. Father, I'm so grateful for... This time that you have given to us to learn together, to, to be enjoying not only the presence of one another in our, in our growth and in our maturing, but Father, first and foremost, to enjoy your presence here with us. We, we praise your name and we lift up your great name, just as we sang about that it is through the name of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross that has, has given to us hope, that give to us a reason to get up in the morning, and, and gives to us an amazing sense of peace. Father, I, I do lift up this community that is in need of being transformed by the truth of the gospel. I pray, Lord, right now, especially for Pastor Nick as he speaks, um, that, that he would sense your presence, and that you allow his words to be your words. I pray for other pastors in our community that are are, are preaching the truth of the gospel. Empower them and encourage them and equip them. And Father, for those of us that are here in this room, 
May this time be profitable and worthwhile. And may we get a renewed and, and a fresh glimpse at the cross. And may we leave here knowing, Lord, what it is that you've called for us to do and how you've called for us to live. Father, I am in just desperate need of your help and, and guidance of, of words and thoughts. God, I would ask, Lord, that, that you would guard my lips from saying anything that would not bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in his strong name. Amen. Amen. We've studied, we've looked at the first two chapters of Galatians, and now we move actually into chapter 3. You'll very, very easily notice that the book of Galatians divides um, into three clear sections. Uh, chapters, Galatians chapter 1 and 2 are very, very personal in, in Paul's kind of presentation and, and plea to the believers. In Galatians chapter 3 and 4, it's, it's more theological. And then the last two chapters, Galatians 5 and 6, are very, very practical. Now, if you remember, if you recall, it's been a little while, Paul's not just personal, but his very passionate plea. His fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are in danger of going astray, of wandering off the path. You and I have a, a constant danger of veering off the path, just like the people in Galatians. So we don't point fingers at them, we point fingers at us. Paul understood what? That, that, that he first and foremost verifies his credentials as an apostle. He has been called with authority. And then there's this urgency of, of what he speaks. And, and I don't know if you'll pick up on it or not, but as we move into this theological argument for chapters 3 and chapter 4, you will see this is the strongest language. This is the most pointed, the most direct portion of Paul's writing in its entirety. He is never so strong with people as he is right here in chapters 3 and 4 of the book of Galatians. Now, before we brand him in unreasonable or intolerant, in-your-face kind of hardliner, remember what's at stake here. Paul is going to battle for the sake of the gospel. He's engaged in a war with false teachers, the Judaizers, who have crept in, who are trying to add to what? The gospel message by saying what? You, you need to adhere to Old Testament law. A blending of works with faith. It doesn't work like that. It can't be like that. So that's why Paul is so strong. Please understand this. There's a practical outpouring of our faith that comes as a result of a solid understanding of our theology that is based on our salvation in Christ and through Christ. You and I need this. We've got to have this understanding. What, what, what Paul does is he kind of returns all the way back to the very, very basics. I think of a time of hearing the great football coach, the Hall of Famer, Vince Lombardi, began his preseason camp. And he wanted to get all the way back to the basics. And he actually was in the locker room with the guys. And he holds up a ball and he says, gentlemen, this is a football of course, there's always a, a, a wise crack in the bunch. And one of the players says, excuse me, coach, can, can you slow down just a little bit? You're, you're moving a little fast for us. It's, it's returning all the way back to the basics of what we 
believe of who we are. That's what Paul does here. Follow along as I read Galatians chapter 3. Our text will be the first nine verses. It should be up on the screen. You can follow them as I read. Listen to this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Well, he starts off warm and fuzzy here, doesn't he? You fools. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirits by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let me first and foremost tell you this, that what we need to do as we kind of journey through this text this morning is that you and I have to trust in what we have seen Christ do to transform lives. First thing we do from our text is we look up, we look around, and we learn to trust in what we have seen Christ do to literally change and transform lives around us. Now, you can't help but notice the format in which Paul chooses to write here. There's six questions in these nine verses, and if you've picked up on it or not, there's actually questions inside of the questions. It's also very difficult not to notice the many uses, the repeated use of the word faith in verse 2, in verse 5, in verse 7, in verse 8, twice in verse 9. It speaks about being with faith, by faith, of faith. What, what is Paul saying here? What does Paul want to teach us? What is he so uptight about whenever you hear mama or dad repeating themselves over and over and over and over again? What? You've you got to start to listen to that. That's basically what Paul is doing. What is it that he wants to impress? Get this through your head. What is it he wants to impress upon his listeners? He begins with what? Oh, foolish people. I don't want to offend you this morning, but there's an element of truth that the gospel in and of itself is going to be offensive. And it begins with this, oh, 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 foolish ones, oh, foolish Galatians. Kenneth Weiss, expanded translation of the Greek New Testament, says, oh, unreflecting. He's much more kind. Literally, it translates, oh, you that are spiritually dull. Phillips translates it like this, you dear idiots. Napoleon Dynamite would say what? He'd he'd translate it even easier. Idiots. I can't believe I just quoted Napoleon Dynamite. Scratch that. 
Paul's not talking about what? He's not talking about the absence of intelligence. He's talking about the failure to use it. Okay, so he's not pointing at them and saying, you, you, you're, you're dumb people. He's talking about the fact you're not using what you have been given. And so what? His words are a combination of there, there's anger here and yet there's love for them. It's mixed with an amazement. I, I can't believe you're acting like this. That's the way Paul says it. Did you ever hear someone and, and you kind of scratch it? Did, did I just hear what I thought I heard? And have you ever been involved in a conversation? Somebody said something that's just so off the wall and you're going to back up. Excuse me, did, did I hear that correctly? Let me ask you this. What makes a fool a fool? It's when they don't think. Heard about a guy who actually tried to rob, walked in and he, and he tried to rob a restaurant. And the restaurant was very, very busy with people. He walked in and, and, he, and, he, and he, I don't know, stuck a gun in someone's face. And, and the, the waiter who received him, who heard him, said, excuse me, but we are really, really busy right now. Could you come back in about an hour? True story. The guy left and an hour later he came back and the police were there waiting for him to arrest him. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Did I just hear, did I just hear this? Heard another story about a guy who walks into a store, he, he has a, a baseball bat, he walks in to rob a store, got a baseball bat, and the store that he walks into is a gun store. You don't, you don't, okay, you don't take a baseball bat into a gun store in order to rob it. You obviously know what happens, you know the end of the story there. That's basically what it is. A fool is one who does not carefully reflect on what is the obvious. Doesn't take time to consider, to contemplate a reasonable, rational decision. Solomon describes it like this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 14. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. To begin, that, that's, that's, what these people in Ephesians chapter, Galatians chapter 3 are described like. Oh foolish Galatians. And then he asked this question, who has bewitched you? Who's, who's behind it? Who has entranced? Who's kind of charmed? Who has enchanted you? Who has tricked you? So that you are behaving so foolishly. And Paul writes this piercing statement. He says it was before your own eyes. That Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You, you saw, you heard the message directly. You know the truth. Yet now you're walking in darkness. You're acting foolishly and blindly, spiritually dull by not living up to the truth. That you have been taught. The reason is what? Same thing happens today. You were duped. You ever been duped before? Do you know what I mean by that term? You ever been tricked? Deceived? Cheated? Conned? Swindled? I'll tell you what, there's a lot of words today. Remember, my, you know, the, the benefit of being number three in our families is that I watched 
my older brothers and sisters, and, and you younger ones know this, and you watch your older brother, and you say, you know what, I just do not want to do that. And you continue to watch him even after you grow. My sister had been married about one year. They moved into a new home, and, and one day her husband was out, and a slick-talking salesman knocked on the door. You ever have this happen before? And he, he is smooth. And I remember, okay, this is almost 30 years ago. And my sister signed and paid for a vacuum cleaner that cost $3,000. Now, unless this is 30, unless you can get on the vacuum cleaner and drive it to work, what? <laughs> you just got duped, girl. What are you thinking? You don't do that. That's what's happened. That's the reason that Paul admonishes with these words. In verse 2, he does it in the form of a question. He goes, let me ask you only this. Let me ask you one thing. He begins with this. And you know the com- you know when you were sat down, let me ask you one thing. He says this, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, he immediately goes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit that brings everything. I'd look just briefly um, at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You won't have time to, to turn to all these, but you can make note of them and go back to them. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Christ is speaking. He says what? When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. When the Spirit comes, he'll guide you in all truth. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you are sealed with the promise Of the Holy Spirit. He takes them right to the Holy Spirit. Listen to Romans chapter 8. In verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life. Has set you free in Christ Jesus. From the law of sin and death. Later in the end of verse 3. It says by sending his own son. In the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law. Might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh. But according to the spirits. For those who live according to the flesh. Set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit. Set their mind on things of the spirits. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Paul immediately takes them where to the subject that they know. I want to ask you this one thing. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law, by what you did, or by the hearing of faith? Bang! He gets them. He corners them. In a sense, he's got them. You see, because Paul was there when they received the Spirit of God. He knows it. And they know that he knows it. And that's why he repeats what his very first opening statement, he actually calls on this again. Are you so foolish? 
that you began in the spirit is made perfect by the flesh. They ask this question, did you suffer so many things in vain? What's interesting is that word suffer is not, not the way that you and I initially think of it. It's the word pentho. It means experienced. Have you experienced all that the Holy Spirit has done in your life for nothing? And he's strong with them. The argument that Paul uses here is wise because it stems out of a personal Christian experience. Now we need to be careful because experience isn't everything alone. It can be very subjective. But Paul knows what? When they trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, when they received the Lord Jesus Christ, when they experienced the transforming power of the gospel in their own lives, he knows it was real. And later he backs up what we call the subjective experience with the objective truth of the word of God, the bedrock that does not move or change. But now he reminds them of what God has done. He, he, he takes them to the place you have seen, you know this. That's oftentimes what we have to do. We have to take a look around us and we have to, we have to rest in what we know to be certain. Don't listen to the messages of the world. You watch the Holy Spirit has done to transform your own life and the peace that existed and the transforming power of the lives around you. And it becomes real. What, what, adds, what adds weight to an argument? What adds weight to, to personal testimony? To personal proof? It, it's when it's firsthand. Remember years ago I, I read a book on Niagara Falls, and I was amazed at the statistics alone. Hundreds of thousands of gallons per second are pouring over this. And I was amazed by this. A couple years later, I remember, remember IMAX was the big, huge thing. I remember watching on the IMAX, we had a documentary on Niagara Falls, and, and you're kind of like right there looking over, like, wow, it was amazing. Read a book. Watch a movie, nothing, nothing in comparison to what? You've probably been there. You put a little garbage bag on your head and you get on the boat, the maid of the mist, and somehow you just, you just float your way right up and you can't even talk to the person next to you. You're screaming and they can't hear you. Why? There's the thunderous roar of those falls and, and you are soaked with the spray. I tell you what, there is nothing. You can't read a book about that. You can't take a picture. Put your camera away. You gotta be there to feel it, to, to feel everything shake. That's, that's what they're talking about here. Paul knows what has taken place. He says, did you experience, did you suffer this in vain? He continues on in verse five. He says, he who supplied the spirits. He who works miracles, I, I think he gets loud here, personally speaking. I think he leans in. Whether or not he's right, he presses his, 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 his quill down on the parchments. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's a rhetorical question and you don't need to answer it. It's faith. It's faith, it's faith, it's faith. Secondly, what do we learn to do? We live in the understanding that there is nothing that you can do 
There's nothing that you can do to earn or to win forgiveness. Think of it like this. God did not just come near. He didn't kind of snuggle up and park close to the believers in Galatia. God came into their lives just like what? God doesn't just snuggle up. When when you offer your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, He comes into you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. God did not just tell them about His great works. He showed them His great works. God didn't allow them just to read about miracles and answers to prayer. God allowed them to experience And yet what? They still were what? They were bewitched. They were duped and fooled and tricked and blinded by the false message of the Judaizers' gospel that appeals to our flesh. And we we have a constant bend, constant danger of veering off the path. The big idea of this whole text, it drives what the Galatians are being foolish, just like you and I at times, we can be foolish. Having begun in the spirit, they now think that what? By their works, they can be perfected in the flesh. You and I fall into the same danger. I know I do. Well, well, it depends on what I do. No, no, no. Let me quote the words of my wise brother from last week. It's not about me. It's about Christ in me. Thus Paul asks this question, where's your faith? The exact thing happens in your life and and in my life on a a regular basis where we hear a lie. Perhaps it's, it's it's a tiny little whisper at first. You, you, you're, you are no good. Who do you think you are? You call yourself a Christian? And we hear this little whisper of a lie, and if we, we leave it, we allow that whisper to get louder and louder, and that whisper becomes a shout. You, you, you're no good. Well, there's, there's an element of truth to that. All, all lies can be wrapped in an element, a portion of truth. There is none righteous, no, not one. We not, it's not about my, it's about the one who has displayed his goodness in my life. It's about being reminded that we are forgiven regardless of what we have done, regardless of anything that you have ever done from this moment back. You are forgiven from your sin, from all sin, and Christ has set us free. Rather than being paralyzed by faith, by, by, by sin, we can have faith to move forward. I remember I was struggling in a particular area uh, of my life. I went to an older man, a godly man, a, a pastor. And I couldn't quite wrap my mind around, so if, if I have sinned, how, how, can I ever, how can I ever be used if my, if my heart is this? I remember, and he kind of walked me back. I was sitting in his office. He said, he said, do you believe really that there is a God? I said, well, yes, of course. I've studied for years. I believe there's a God. I've seen his evidence. He, he, and he asked me this question. He said, do you really believe that God himself came down to earth 
in the form of his own son, flesh and blood. You honestly believe that? I said, 100%. I believe that actually happened. He said, do you actually believe that, that God, Jesus, died, and then three days later, he raised from the dead again? And I said, yes, I, I believe that. I believe that. He said, you're 100%. Yeah. I said, I am 100%. I believe that. Remember, he leaned across the desk and he said, if God can be raised from the dead, don't you think he can forgive you of your sin? And I remember that. I was like, wow. It's true. I was just believing a lie. I, I really believe that what I did or what I thought or whatever I said, whatever it was, that, that I'm, too, I'm, I'm just too far gone. If God can literally raise his own son from the dead, then he can forgive you of your sin. And you live free. You live free. You live in the understanding there's nothing you can do to earn it. But you trust Him. Thirdly and finally, I love this, quickly in closing. We rest in the fact. We actually rest, which means what? There's there's a point that it's the hammock that calls us here. It's just, we rest. We rest in the fact that you are blessed when you live by faith and not by works. We rest in this. The illustration that is given here, repeated uses, I believe it's four times in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, that Abraham is mentioned. I want you to go to Abraham, Paul says. In fact, Abraham, he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. He's mentioned twice in Hebrews chapter. Everyone gets a line. Abraham's mentioned twice. Demonstrated, Abraham demonstrated faith and not only was blessed by God, but what? Others were blessed because of Abraham's faithfulness. He left his home. Well, sure, everybody leaves. No, he had no idea where he was going. All the comforts, all the conveniences, all the things that he was familiar with, he just, he left it all. And he kept his eyes on the Lord's. There's another mention in Hebrews chapter 11. Why else? Why Abraham? Abraham, Abraham was willing to do something that, that I don't think any one of us would ever do. Take our own son, bind him, lay him on an altar, and raise a knife up to offer his, his own son as a sacrifice. And he was willing and obedient to do that. He demonstrated faith. Well, and there was blessing as a result. Was life a life of ease? No. I never think that blessing, like the lies that come from so many pulpits today, well, then you're going to have like a really nice car and a big house and a beautiful family. And it's not that kind of blessing. It's a blessing in knowing what? Who you are. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. Who, who has bewitched you? Same thing happens to you and I today. We, we began in the Spirit. The Spirit draws us unto Himself. 
We have experienced, we've seen the transforming power of God in our lives. We've experienced His grace and His peace. We are settled by that. We witness, we see firsthand what the miracles of God in our lives all around us. We sense His presence and we enjoy His presence and His power that He offers. And what what has happened? Who, Who has tricked you? Why do many of you live lives today, at this very moment, that are far from a life that is in the Spirit of God? You live lives of fear, and live lives of worry, and live lives of pride, and jealousy, and discontentment, lives of lust. That's what we struggle with. Who's bewitched us? Who's fooled us? Who fought for the lies of legalism that say you have to do this and dress like this and look like this and talk like this and walk like this. No, 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 you're free in Christ. You're free from that. There's the lies of materialism and hedonism in our world. Just grabbing more and more. If I get more, if I pursue more pleasures, then, then what? Then it's all going to be... No, that's, that's a lie. There's the, there's the filth lie of humanism that is just pouring into our schools and, and homes and it's seeping into our own hearts and minds that you actually think that you can do it. It's not about you. It's about Christ in you. People are believing lies of super spiritualism. Look beyond and feel some distance. No, no, no. Understand that, that believers are simply foolish who think that life that was given in the Spirit can be perfected by some means of the flesh. It is an absolute thrill. It is a delight. It is a joy that we have a, a, a tangible reminder this morning in the communion table. It just, it just writes us. It brings us back onto the path that we continually, as, as fallen people in a fallen world, we continually veer off. And so this writes us. With Paul's passionate and personal plea, mine this morning is the same, that, that you get a glimpse and you hold tight to what Jesus Christ has done for us. What Jesus Christ has done for you. We, we pause this, this morning and, and we, we take together as a family, we enjoy this, this delight of this object lesson, this, this physical reminder. You can, you can hold it. You can smell it. It's breads. Jesus said, I am breads. I offer everything that is, that is needed for life. Jesus was sitting, you know, with the disciples in the upper room and, and, and trying to, to allow them to get their minds to wrap around this idea that he's not going to be there forever. He's going to suffer for them. And he took bread and, and it was unleavened bread. It wasn't puffy and pretty like this. And, and he tore it. The unleavened bread that had no, what, a pitcher. It had no... Uh, 11 and it had no no sin his life had no sin my body had no sin and never to no sin he broke the bread and he said this is picture of my body my body's gonna be broken for you remember this 
Don't veer off the path with everything that you hear on a constant basis. Then he took the, the cup and, and there's the fruit of the vine. He poured it out and as he poured it out, he said, This, this is a picture of my blood that is, is going to be poured out for you. Blood is what? It's the, it's the life giver. Christ's blood was poured out. His life was given for you so that we can move from death to life, so that we can live every single day, every moment of every single day, knowing that we are covered and forgiven and cleansed from all of our vileness and our grossness, our wickedness and wretchedness. We are made what? It says white like snow. Because Christ allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be poured out. And we as his children have a reminder today. And I, I, I invite you to participate in this. I'm going to invite the elders to come as they serve this to you. And let me remind you that if you are here this morning and you are, are not a member of Big Woods Bible Church, you are still welcome to partake of this. If, if... You have surrendered your whole life. If you've given your life to the Lord, then I invite you to partake. If you have not done that, please refrain. But let me tell you that in this very moment, you can ask the Lord Jesus Christ. You can offer your life to the Lord and ask Him to forgive, and He will do that. Amen. We'll bring it to you. In a moment, we'll pause, ask God's blessing on the bread and the cup, and then we'll partake of it together.